0: But I, I think this is really important for us to understand, uh, of course, with a, a lot of the different teachings and things that go on in religions about baptism and stuff. Um, I think it's important that we understand this. Um, and so basically, again, we're, we're kind of comparing. Um, we're looking at the baptism of John and, of course, the baptism after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 3... Again, the one thing we have to always, always, always understand is the Bible is never going to contradict itself, right? The Bible never contradicts itself, okay? So if the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, right? He does not say, for by grace are you saved through baptism or church membership. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, okay? Um, all, all through the Gospels, all, even through the Old Testament, uh, we find Abraham was justified by what? Faith, right? Justified by faith. So if all throughout Scripture we find that salvation is by faith, then is God going to somehow now change that salvation is no longer by faith but by baptism? No, of course not. He's not going to do that, right? It's going to be the same, okay? Um, And so the the thing that we have to really remember when we're talking about um, these passages dealing with baptism, because, again, what happens, these religions, they'll take one verse, they'll take um, like Acts chapter 2, verse 38, um, or another verse, and they'll try to say, look, see, this teaches baptism, right, Uh, for salvation. And so they'll take one or two verses to try to teach a doctrine that they want, and ignore the hundreds of other verses that very clearly teach that it's not, okay? Um, And and so it's important that we understand this. And here's, in in Matthew chapter 3, John is preaching in the wilderness, and verse number 2, saying, what are those next two words? Repent ye, right? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, okay? So what is, his, what is John's message? Repent. John's message is repent. John's message is not get baptized for salvation. John, John's message is repent. Repentance, okay? And we go down. Then, verse number five, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Okay, again. Now, it does not say that they were baptized for salvation, it says they were baptized, confessing their sins. In other words, they were showing that they had been a sinner. They were admitting their sin, and they were saying, that, hey, we are, we are wanting to repent. We're wanting to turn from our sin. Okay? They were not being baptized for repentance. They were not being baptized for salvation. Okay? Again, it was that symbol. It was a symbol that was being done. Okay? That's why when you come... Uh, to verse number seven, it says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance. Repentance, okay? That's, that is the message of salvation. It is repentance. And that's why when Jesus comes, guess what he preaches? Repent that's the message of salvation repent okay so that we've got to be clear the both john's message and jesus's message was the same it was the same as in the old testament in the old testament when the prophets were were preaching and prophesying to the people what was their message what was the message to israel that they were always prophesying and preaching to them repent repent Right? What, is, what is the message that we, we have now? What does Peter say that salvation is? Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what Peter says. Right? So all throughout Scripture, the, the, the method of salvation has never changed. It has always been repentance. Repentance. Okay? Um, and so this is what John is preaching. This is what uh, Jesus preached. This is what the disciples preached. It's what we preach today. It's not just join a church. It's not just get baptized. No, there's repentance of sin and then faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is salvation, okay? So, um, again, we were kind of looking at some of these passages um, in, let's see, go to, uh, I'm trying to go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and again, this is what Paul says about John's message, John chapter 19, verse number four, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus, okay? So John is preaching, repent, repent of their sin, and then believe on the one who is coming after him. That is on Jesus Christ. Now, when John is preaching, now remember this, when John is preaching, when John is preaching this message that we we just saw in Matthew chapter 3, right, when John is preaching this message to believe on the one who is coming after him, did they know that that one was going to be Jesus Christ? Did they know that that one was going to be Jesus Christ? No, they didn't know that yet. Okay? They did not know that that was going to be Jesus Christ yet. Okay? Not until after Jesus, in fact, there later in Matthew chapter 3, what happens? Jesus comes to John and gets baptized of him, and then that's when Jesus' ministry begins, and that's when it starts pointing to Jesus. That's when Jesus starts trying to show who he is. Okay? But this whole time before that John is preaching... They did not know, the Jews did not know that it was going to be Jesus who was going to be the Messiah, okay? Again, this, this whole issue of the baptism before Jesus, right? Was it a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ before Jesus? No. There was no death, burial, and resurrection yet, Okay? That picture does not come until after his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why he says in Romans chapter six, right? Like as Christ was buried and rose again, right? That's where the picture comes again. Remember, baptism was not something new to the Jews. They they understood a baptism. Remember, we talked about it. They called it the mikveh bath. It was it was a, a, a ritual that was done just for ceremonial purposes. Okay? It did not wash away any sins. They didn't even believe it washed away sins. In fact, before you could even go into the McVeigh bath, you had to take a shower and wash and be clean even before going in because it didn't wash away anything. It was just a ceremony. It was a picture of cleansing. Okay? And that's what John's baptism was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a picture of cleansing, but he was pointing to the one who was going to come after him. Okay? So, this is what even Paul says here. He says that they should believe on him, which should come after him that is on Christ. Okay? So, again, the the important thing that we have to remember about the book of Acts is what? It's what? It's a transitional book. It's a transitional book, right? We're going, we're basically transitioning from Judaism and the Old Testament to the New Testament, and grace. There's a, there's a transition taking place here. Okay? Now, how do we know this transition was still taking place? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 15. Now, this is Acts chapter 15. The church has been established for a couple years now. Okay? The church has been established for a couple years. Not only the church of Jerusalem, but now the church in Antioch has been established. There's been some other churches that have been established, okay? But watch what happens in Acts chapter 15, okay? So in Acts chapter 15, it says, um, certain men came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses. What are those next four words? You cannot be saved. So here's the believers in Antioch And all of a sudden, these Jews show up from Judea saying, hey, if you really want to be saved, guess what? You've got to follow the law. They said, oh, it's fine that you believed in Jesus, but that's just part of salvation. In order to fully be saved, you've got to follow the law and you've got to be circumcised. Now, again, why was this this an issue? Because it's a transitional book. You're transitioning from the old to the new, okay? Well, what did this do to the Church of Antioch? Caused a little bit of confusion, right? It says when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. They're like, wait a minute, this isn't what we thought. We thought salvation was only by grace, through faith. And now you're saying we have to go back under the law. That's part of salvation as well. And so there's this disputation in the church now. So they said, all right, let's send Paul and Barnabas and some of the elders. Let's send them back to Jerusalem and let's let them let's ask the apostles, those 11 apostles. Okay. so they go. Right. And they come and they explain what's happening to them. Right? It says in verse number four, When they were come to Jerusalem, they received of the church and of the apostles and elders. They declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Right? So here you have these believers from the Pharisees, the Jews, the, 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 the religious leaders of the Pharisees. They get saved, but what are they still trying to hold on to? They're still trying to hold on to the law. They're still trying to hold on to these things. Okay? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that what so many times we do as Christians? We get saved and we still try to hold on to our past. We still try to hold on to those things. Wait a minute. Those things, he says, we are new in Christ Jesus. What thing, those things are dead to us. Right? That's dead to us. Okay? So what does he say? So he goes on here. Um, when there had been much disputing, verse seven, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. Right. So He's explaining to them, Hey, remember, we didn't even think that the Jews could be or the Gentiles could be saved, but now we know the Gentiles are going to be saved, and they're receiving the Holy Ghost just like we do. Right? So what is Peter saying? There's no difference between the Jew and Gentile in salvation. It's the same way of salvation. Okay. And put no difference, verse number 9, between us and them purifying their hearts. What are those next two words? By baptism? By church membership? By faith. Peter says both the Jews and the Gentiles are saved the exact same way. Their hearts are purified. They're made right with God by faith. By faith, right? Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Now, watch this, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. He said, wait a minute, why are you trying to put them back under the law? Number one, they were never under the law. Gentiles were not under the law, that was the Jews. And now you're trying to say that Gentiles have to be put under the law as well? He says, look, our fathers couldn't keep the law. We couldn't keep the law. And now you're telling the Gentiles they have to somehow keep the law to be saved. He says, no, 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 no. This is not right at all, right? Salvation is by faith. Jews, saved by faith. Gentiles, saved by faith. Okay? And this is why, when they come through here, they said, no, the Gentiles are not to be placed under the law, this is a yoke, you're putting a burden upon them that they cannot bear because we couldn't even bear it ourselves. And it was given to us. So they said, no, no, they do not have to follow the law. It is by faith, okay? That, again, that's why when you're looking through Acts, it is such a transitional book, there's a lot of things still trying to be worked out in the church because it's, it's new, okay? that's why when we talked last week about the, the, the sign gifts of the Holy Ghost, right? The sign gifts are different than the spiritual gifts. The sign gifts, as we saw in Mark chapter 16, the speaking in tongues and casting out demons and healing people and all those, the sign gifts were for, were given to the apostles, okay? The sign gifts were given to the apostles. Remember we saw this in uh, was this acts chapter 8 acts chapter 8 I believe it was Philip goes down to Samaria and he's preaching and Philip is doing miracles okay now wait a minute was Philip one of the original apostles no Philip wasn't one of the original apostles so how is Philip able to do miracles does every believer have the ability to do miracles does every believer have the ability to do miracles? No. So how was Philip able to do miracles then? The apostles, the original apostles, gave Philip that gift. Okay? But now, and this is what we saw here in Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching. He's doing miracles. People are getting saved. But what happens when Peter and John come? When Peter and John come, what do they do? they lay hands on the ones who have believed and they received the sign gifts of the Holy Ghost. Not that it's not the Holy Spirit. They, they receive the Holy Spirit the moment a person gets saved. But he says here in verse number 17, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So this was something they could physically see. It was something that was visible and we've seen this throughout the book of acts in acts chapter 10 when cornelius and his family get saved what happens they begin to speak in tongues why did they why did they begin to speak in tongues why did cornelius who is a gentile and his family who are gentiles why did they start speaking in tongues was it to show how spiritual they were no why did they start speaking in tongues what's that to prove that gentiles could be saved because at this point the 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 jews didn't think the gentiles could be saved they thought salvation was just for them and so now the gentiles are getting saved they're receiving the same holy spirit that the jews are receiving And to prove it to the Jews, the Gentiles were able to speak in tongues. That's why we remember in Acts chapter 15, what did Peter just say? Hey, they are receiving the same salvation by faith just like we are. Okay? But now, here in Acts chapter 8, these believers, they got saved through Philip's preaching, but Philip cannot give them the signs of the Holy Ghost. So that's why Peter and John had to come and they prayed and laid hands on them, and they received the signs of the Holy Ghost. Okay? But this is what we were talking about as we were kind of finishing up last week. If the apostles, and that's why when you go towards the end of the book of Acts, guess what you don't find anymore? You don't find any miracles being done. Read through all the letters that Paul writes. Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Read through all those. How many miracles do you find? They're not there. Now, wait a minute. Don't you think if somebody could do miracles, that in probably in many of these places, Paul's going to be talking about the miracles that every believer is going to be able to do? If every believer is going to have this power to be able to do miracles and things, don't you think that he would probably talk a little bit about that in all these letters that he's writing to the churches? And yet he doesn't mention it at all. In fact, he mentions just the opposite. He says, I believe it's, um, I can't remember if it's in Titus or in uh, maybe Timothy or somewhere, he actually says that he left one of his friends, Trophimus, sick. He says, I left him sick in Miletus. Now, Paul, you have the gift of healing. And you're going to leave your friend sick? Don't you think you should heal him? Did Paul have the ability to heal? Sure. We we read about many miracles in the book of Acts that Paul did, and he healed people. So why would he leave his friend sick in Miletus? If he has the ability to heal, why would he leave his friend sick? Anybody? Come on, somebody. Think about it. If he has the ability to heal, why would he leave his friend sick? He wouldn't? Okay. Okay. He wouldn't unless, uh, unless that power was no longer upon him. Um, maybe. I think there's another explanation, though. Ms. Donna? What's that? Okay, there was no need to prove the message anymore, right? The, the message was already being, the message was pretty clear. The church was established during this time. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? If Paul has the gift of healing, why, wouldn't, why would he leave his friend sick? Was the was the gifts that were given to use any way that they wanted to use them? No. They weren't to be used just any way they wanted to be used, right? It wasn't just because he had the gift of healing that Paul just went around healing anybody and everybody. No. What was the purpose? The purpose was to prove the message that they were preaching. It wasn't just to just... And this is, again, this is where the, the Pentecostals and Charismatics, they, they say, you know, God wants everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise, Right? Health and wealth, that's what, you know, God wants everybody healthy and wealthy. No, actually, that's not true. Nowhere does the Bible say that God wants everybody healthy and wealthy, right? You ever read the, the, uh, the account in, in Luke chapter 16 about the beggar named Lazarus? He was a beggar. He was very sick. That means he was not wealthy and he was not healthy. And yet the Bible says that he went to paradise. Nowhere does the Bible ever teach that God wants every Christian to be healthy and wealthy. Nowhere. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) Was Paul healthy? Paul wasn't even healthy. The apostle Paul was not healthy. He talks about many of the sicknesses and things that he had and that he endured. He was not healthy. You see, the, the charismatics, they want to say, well, God wants everybody healthy and wealthy, so come to our crusades and we'll heal you. That's not the purpose. The purpose wasn't just to heal anybody and everybody. By the way, if they really have that gift of healing, why don't they ever go to a hospital? Why don't they go to a hospital? Why do they make people come to them at their church or whatever? Why don't they, if they really have the gift of healing, just go down to the hospital and start healing people and getting them out of the hospital beds. Go ahead. You know why? Because it was proved that they're a sham they cannot do it the purpose was not just to heal anybody and everybody that's why Paul even though yes he had the gift of healing it wasn't just to heal anybody that he wanted oh I've got a friend that's sick let me heal you oh I'm sick let me heal myself right or hey you know somebody else is sick let's just heal them no it wasn't just to use it any way they wanted the purpose was to prove the message they were preaching And that's why once the message was established, the church was established, there was no need for these sign gifts, okay? And so what happens when the apostles die and those like Philip that they had given the sign gifts to, what happens when they die? The sign gifts are gone. We do not have the sign gifts today for speaking in tongues and casting out uh, demons and healing people and all these different things. We don't have that anymore, okay? It was for a specific purpose, okay? So again, when you're reading through the book of Acts, remember this, this is a transitional book. At the beginning, guess what you see a lot of? Healings and miracles. At the end of the book of Acts, guess what you don't see much of? Healings and miracles, Why? Because the church is now being established. The message is being proven. It's being validated. Okay, all right. So think with me about this. In uh, in Acts chapter eight, I think we looked at that already. Um, Acts chapter eleven. Go with me to Acts chapter eleven. Acts chapter eleven. Look in verse number 15. So Paul is in, um, uh, where is he? Um, I think he's in, I was getting ready to say Corinth, but I don't think he's in Corinth yet. Um, So in in, in chapter 11, verse 15, he says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost, oh, he's recounting what happened in, um, uh, with Cornelius, right? Uh, Back in chapter 10, he's recounting it to the church, okay? So he says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they, these are the Jews and the believers he's recounting to, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, now watch this, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So again, remember, the Jews are thinking, hey, salvation is only for them. God uses Peter to go to Cornelius to preach to the Gentiles, to show that they're saved. And to show that they're saved, they received the Holy Ghost. They received that the sign gift, right? They, they began to speak in tongues. Why? To prove that they could be saved just like the Jews. And that's why when you go back up to verse number, chapter 10, and verse number 45, chapter 10, verse 45, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So, all right, so watch this. They're hearing the word of God. They believe the word of God. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon them, right? And what has not happened yet to them? He says in verse number 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So watch this. Watch the progression. Peter is preaching. They believe. They receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues so that the other believers can know that Gentiles could be saved. And then, after all that, then what do they do? They baptize them. Now, wait a minute. We've got a really big problem here. If baptism is for salvation, when did these people get saved? Because if baptism is for salvation, you cannot have the Holy Spirit without being saved. So if they have believed and they have received the Holy Spirit and then after all that they get baptized, we have a very serious problem here. Because if baptism is what brings salvation, what's happening here? Because they've already believed, they've already received the Holy Ghost, and now they're getting baptized. Why? What what is this teaching? Exactly what the Bible teaches all along. Salvation is by faith. It has nothing to do with baptism. Nothing to do with baptism. Salvation is by faith. Then, after a person is saved, they receive the Holy Spirit. Then, later, they can be baptized. Baptism has nothing at all to do with salvation. Nothing. It is simply that symbol, right? It's, It's... it basically, again, it's, it's a ritual that is being done as they did before to show a, a picture of cleansing. And now after his death, burial, and resurrection, it shows a picture of his death, burial, and resurrection. What Christ has done for us, what he has done in us. We're identifying with him. Okay, But it has nothing to do with salvation. And again, that's why I say what happens so many times is these religions will come up with one or two verses like Acts 238 or some other verse that talks about baptism, or even like John chapter 3, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. They'll pull out that one verse, they'll pull out John or Acts 2.38, and they'll see, uh-huh. You see, baptism is for salvation. But yet you can have a hundred other verses that teach very clearly, for by grace are you saved through faith. As we just saw in Acts, both Jew and Gentile were saved by faith. Here, obviously, in Acts chapter 10, they are saved by faith. They receive the Holy Spirit, and then after that, they're baptized. And they completely ignore all these other scriptures. Baptism does not save anyone. It does not save anyone. It cannot save anyone. It is only by faith. And again, that doesn't matter if this is an Old Testament saint, whether it's the message that John was preaching, the message that Jesus was preaching, the message that the apostles were preaching, or the message that we preach today from the Word of God. Salvation is by faith alone. Plus nothing, minus nothing. You don't add anything to it. You don't take anything away from it. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, but, you know, these other people say, look, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. What matters is what does God say? What does God say? The Bible says, "It's by, faith, by grace through faith. Okay? Um, I don't know what's going on with the screens. That's a little, that's a little weird. I'm not sure if I can read that. <laughs> All right. Okay? Um, anybody have a question? We've got just a couple minutes. Um, anybody have a question you'd like to ask about what we've been going through? About baptism or... Uh, any of this or maybe a, maybe a verse that I that I missed or something anybody um, go to uh, in Acts chapter 22 here's another one that can that some people can bring a little bit of confusion about Acts chapter 22 So Paul is recounting his salvation experience, and he's talking about when Ananias comes to him, right? He was on the road to Damascus, Paul was. He's blinded. Uh, He's he's taken to Damascus, and then God sends Ananias to him. So Ananias comes. uh, verse number 14, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Yeah, you see here, you've got to be baptized to, to be saved. I mean, that's what Ananias must have told Paul. Right? Because that's what Paul is saying. We're supposed to be baptized to be saved. Is that what he said? Did he say that you have to be baptized to be saved? Not a trick question, folks. What did we just go through? What did we just talk about? Is the Bible going to say something different? No. So is he saying that you have to be baptized in order to be saved? No, he's not. He's not saying be baptized in order to be saved. Again, look at what he says. Terri- why tarryst thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism does not, is not what washes away sins. It is our faith in Christ that washes away sins. So, why would he say he get baptized? Because that is going to show, again, that's that ceremonial thing. It's showing, hey, this is, again, the transition that's taking place here. Even though we're in Acts 22, he's talking about something that took pl- place all the way back in Acts chapter 9. Right? He's talking about something that took place all the way back there, years and years and years ago. Okay? So again, there's, there's this transition that's taking place. People are looking thinking that baptism is what saves, or that somehow baptism washes away sins. And Paul says, no, 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 it's not the baptism that washes away sins. I was told to be baptized, yes, but what washes away sins is calling upon the name of the Lord." What does Romans 3:10, say, or Romans 10:13 say, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." It's not baptism, okay? Now, should a person get baptized after they have accepted Christ? Well, sure. Absolutely. That's what we find in Acts chapter 10. Isn't that what they did? After they believed, they received the Holy Ghost, then what did they do? Peter says, hey, I think they should be baptized. They got baptized. In Acts chapter 18, when uh, the believers in Corinth get, get saved, what did they do after getting saved? They got baptized. In Acts chapter 8, what did they do after believing? They got baptized. Now, again, what happens is people say, well, look, Paul says get baptized, and he puts baptism first, and then he says, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter what order somebody says it, right? We know that Paul is not teaching baptism for salvation. He's teaching that there is a faith, that you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, okay? Baptism is simply the show. It's the outward show. It's the evidence of it, right? It's that picture of it. It is a picture of what Jesus Christ did. There is nowhere in Scripture that ever teaches that water in baptism can ever take away one sin. Water cannot take away sin. That's why John's baptism didn't take away sin. What what did they have to do before they could be baptized? Repent. What does Philip in Acts chapter 8 tell the Ethiopian eunuch? He says, look, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Did Philip say, all right, let's go get baptized? What did Philip say? If thou believest with thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he took them and baptized them. right? Nowhere, nowhere ever, ever, ever does the Bible ever teach that baptism washes away a single sin. Because it doesn't. The only one who can ever wash away sin is Jesus Christ. And again, that's why it's so important. When we come to a scripture that some people will try to say, "Ah, look, this one teaches this." No, no, no. One, scripture never contradicts itself. Never contradicts itself, right? And number 2, salvation has never changed. Salvation never changed. Salvation has always been the same by faith. Doesn't matter. I mean, think about it. When you read in uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, and it talks about all these people by faith, Uh, who does it begin with? Who, who Who is basically in Hebrews chapter 11 when it says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith? Is it Old Testament saints or New Testament saints? It's Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints, by faith, Abel, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Joshua, by faith, wait a minute. It's all by faith. And he shows it there in the Old Testament. They're all by faith. Guess what it is in the New Testament? All by faith. Never does the Bible ever teach salvation is through baptism. And that's why he's very clear. You wash away, the sins are washed away when you call upon the name of the Lord. Not any other way. Okay. Anybody have a really quick question? We got about 30 seconds here. All right. Well, hopefully, we should never hear that anybody ever says that First Baptist Church believes salvation is through baptism. <laughs> right? Uh, we believe what the Bible says very clearly salvation is not through baptism, it is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else. Right? All right. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll have a short break and then we'll come back for a morning worship.